Hey everybody, welcome to Everything Went Black podcast. I'm changing things up a little bit, trying this pre-recorded uh, intro instead of going for it during the actual episode. I'm not sure if I like this better or not, but I'm just giving it a shot this time around. So for this episode, uh, we got Blake Harrison, who you might know him from Pig Destroyer, Triac, and also his uh, death metal band, Hatebeak. And they have a, a new record that's about to come out in a couple weeks. And uh, Blake and I got a chance to hang out via the magic of Skype and uh, just talk about stuff, just talk shit for a little while. And we also talked about Hate Beak and the record and all that kind of good stuff. As usual, this podcast is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee, which is my coffee company. And if you like strong coffee, check this out at savagegoldcoffee.com. Also, if you're a listener to this podcast, you can use this code EWB2112 and you can get a discount on an order. So check it out, EWB2112 at savagegoldcoffee.com. Also, uh, I've got some affiliate sponsors, Datsusara, Naturebox, and Onnit. Some of my favorite stuff. Datsusara makes hemp bags, as well as uh, jujitsu gis, grappling shorts, t-shirts, this awesome fanny pack that I've been using on tour. So if you guys check me out on the road, most likely I'll be wearing this black, awesome Datsusara fanny pack. comes in really handy in situations like that. Naturebox is healthy snacks. You can subscribe, tell them what you want, shows up at your doorstep. And on it, what can I say about on it? Greatest supplements in the world, exercise equipment, really healthy foods. Check them out. Go to the Everything Went Black Media website, click through the portal. I get to get a little taste of the action, and you guys get some cool stuff. So here we go. So, uh, did you guys play Maryland Death Fest this year? Did no, no. Uh, Agoraphobic did. So, um, you know, that was their first show. Uh, you guys played a what, Sunday? Yeah, we played Sunday. Sunday. Um, so, I guess you weren't in town yet because you guys are always doing stuff. Yeah, I might have saw them, I think, on Saturday. I can't remember. Nah, we all... <laughs> maybe there's some, some long-haired, like, hippie guy that looks like Ben that was probably around, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we all drove down on uh, on Sunday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we played two years ago, and it's usually like, and you know, you've, you've played it before, so it's every, usually every couple of years. Yeah. So, and then with the Gorophobic doing their first show, I don't think Scott would have done it anyway. Yeah. Because he was a little, uh, like, you know, singularly focused on that, so. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, man, the first show ever. Who was actually in Agoraphobic? What was the lineup? It is Scott, um, John, who's the bass player for Big Destroyer, uh, Kat, who was the singer for Salome and sang on Agora Apocalypse, Rich Johnson, who you know, yeah. the grandfather, um, and Jay, actually the original kind of singer, made an appearance, did a couple of songs, <laughs> and uh, did like a little noise piece. But yeah, that's basically, and, you know, a drum machine. Oh, it was a drum machine. I was curious yeah, as yeah. to whether or not there'd be some inhuman... Yeah, it was pretty cool because Scott set up the PA on the riser. Oh. So, on the drum riser. So, like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of funny. So, I, I actually met you way back when you were uh, the singer in Triac. Yeah. Yeah, are you, are you from Baltimore or from the D.C. area? I'm from actually kind of both. Uh, I live in Baltimore and I have, like, for the past 20 years, but originally I'm from the D.C. area. Oh, cool. So, uh, I don't know. 
I guess for for you know for this conversation, I'm from Baltimore, basically. Oh yeah, okay. For uh, that's that's your your secret. But I think idea. we played together the first time in DC. At yeah, the, uh, K Spiritual Center and, and American University. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the first time I'd seen you guys. The round room. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was some crazy times, man. Yeah. Shows happening in round rooms and uh, just fucking grind. <laughs> so, were you doing Hate Beak back then, or when, when did the Hate Beak actually start? It actually kind of started before Triac. Um, I was in a band, uh, old school kind of power violence band back in the day called uh, Daybreak. And. Uh, Daybreak had broken up, and my buddy Mark and I were kind of between bands. He was in a band with Rich from, uh, what is Rich's band? From Drugs of Faith, called yeah. The Index. Okay. Um, then, it, uh, we were, so it kind of started before Triac, and it was just kind of one of those things where we were just kind of goofing off one day, and we were like, fuck it, like, let's do it. Um, so we kind of found a bird and, and recorded it in his bedroom for the first time. Oh, well, actually, every every record's been recorded in its bedroom. But, uh, yeah, so it's kind of just one of those things where we were just, like, goofing around. We're like, ah, you know, that's funny. Like, we'll never do it. We actually did it. So It's actually um, a bird? Yeah, there's actually a bird. Um, oh. It does, you know, it, it's... We kind of just let it flip out, and then uh, there's a lot of studio trickery to it. You know, time yeah. stretching it and throwing distortion on it and flipping it backwards and... Pitch shifting it up and pitch shifting it down and doing whatever we need, but yeah, it's actually a real bird. Do you um, ever do you ever have to like abuse it or like pinch it with needles or anything like that? <laughs> no, that bird's a dick, man. The bird you just don't, you don't want to do that. The bird just like fucking goes for it, like on. Like, yeah, it's you know just kind of got to get it like wound up to make some noise, but like if it'll if it doesn't like you, it'll sit on your shoulder, it'll bite the shit out of your ear, man. What kind of bird is it? It's an African gray. Um, and Waldo's actually a stage name to protect a bird's identity. Uh, Waldo's like a, a nod to the minor bird in Twin Peaks. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, it's an African gray. I think he's about 12 or 14 now. Maybe a little longer, a little older. Uh, those things live forever, and I don't think um, the people that got him got him as a baby parrot. So they're not really positive how old he is. I mean, those things can live like 80 years. No shit, so, I didn't know that about birds. Yeah. Wow, I figured that, you know, birds got like a 20-year lifespan. Or, you know, no, like, I think a lot of them do, but African greys are different. And, you know, this one's actually pretty smart to the point where it's kind of creepy. Um, it'll call in the dog and, like, the wife's voice, and it'll jump down and bite the dog's tail when the dog comes in the room. Um, or it, like, really likes dehydrated banana chips, and it knows crackers, and it knows bananas, so it once asked for banana crackers... Huh. And, like strung those two thoughts together. Oh shit! So it's just, it's a little intense, man. I'm kind of glad that's not mine. They don't the the bird that bird doesn't like eat flesh or anything like that. Like doesn't like eat meat. <laughs> no, it'll it'll like I said, it'll bite you. Damn. A really obnoxious thing. You know when your uh, battery goes out and your smoke detector makes a really loud like chirp noise. Yes. When the bird is uncomfortable, it does that, and it's super fucking loud and super annoying. So the biting, I'm like fascinated with like the violence aspect of this. So like the biting is more like a self-defensive kind of like, you know, aggressive thing. It's not necessarily to kill you and eat you or anything like that. No, I think it's more like, uh, like, you know, I'm uncomfortable and this is going to be my way of expressing that too. Huh. Um, you know, it doesn't like, it's never really drawn blood on me, but you can definitely, there's,
there's some pictures where you can see it's on my shoulder and like I'm stretching my neck as far away as possible as I can get from it. Like when, when you look into the eyes of this bird, do you see like any kind of like consciousness or like intelligence or? No, I mean, like I said, it's pretty fucking smart. Um, it's, it, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to answer that, Mike. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to go with no. <laughs> You're going to say no, like you, there's no personality stuck inside the bird? Just Oh, absolutely. I mean, just like a dog or, you know, certain cats have personality. There's, yeah. there's, it's got personality. It's, uh, you know, like a those birds like will tend to like lift one foot up when it's relaxed okay so you know and that's like a that's like a the whole like uh those kinds of birds those African greys but yeah like he'll chill out man you can tell he's like he'll, he'll kind of goof around like I mean as much as he can like you know that's interesting, man, because I, I know like next to nothing about birds, man. It's like I, I re- that's why I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. Like I'm not, you know, trying to like. Yeah, I'm certainly no expert, but like working with uh, Waldo over the years has definitely like made me learn a lot more. Working with it, and, like you know, doing interviews and like having to do research on it because I, I do get, I do get asked some uh, questions about birds that I'm like, oh, man, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like I'm not I'm no ornithologist is that even what you know? Or, ornith, ornithologist I believe. Yeah, is the, I'm not that. So I'm like I don't, like we for a while there was someone that wanted to send us bird seed, like free bird seed. Like we want to be your bird seed sponsor. I'm like yeah man whatever that's cool. They give you guys any cash or just bird seed? No, just bird seed, and it's not even my bird. So like, <laughs> no, I just kind of gave it to them. It's like here you go. <laughs> so how many uh, all in all? How many releases do you guys have out? Um, there's three split seven inches so far, which are the B side of this, um, and then there'll be six, I think six, nine new tracks, six or eight new tracks that we recorded nine years ago. So it's kind of a discography as of now. Um, there are some plans to do some other stuff. We're currently finishing up a split that we might be doing with Richard Christie from the Howard Stern show. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm sure you know Rich. Um, and uh, might do like a Godflesh type of tribute. Uh, we Scott and I were thinking about doing an agoraphobic, uh, hate kind of collaboration. Like it's like one hour, like a doom song called Seed Smoker. Uh, but that's kind of a little further down. Um, you know, Mark, the other guy in Hate Beak, uh, lives in New Jersey, so it's not really super easy for us to get together all the time. You know, it's not that far, but you know, the older you get, how three hours can seem like it'll take you a year to get there, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely, you know. You got that Jersey traffic, too, to deal with sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, this time of year, we're getting to the summer months, and that I-95 corridor gets real crowded, you know? He's kind of further out. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's past, right past Allentown, if, I, if you come in from the Pennsylvania side. Oh, okay, yeah. So, oh, I, so it's like I, kind of the western Jersey sort yeah, of... Hackettstown or something like that, maybe? Yeah. No, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm uh, all over New Jersey, man. Right. Yeah, of course you have. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, basically, like, how, how do you guys record this shit? Like, do you, does the music come first? Is there, like, uh, do you fuck around with the, you know, with the bird stuff? Like, what, what's the whole process like? Um, it's, yeah, basically, Mark and I will either kind of, like, kind of have a couple riffs. Um, you know, it's not really well planned. Um, so we kind of just have something and we'll start laying it down layer by layer or like you know like the last record 
that's uh, we're still in the process of doing. Like I had about half of it written in my head, and I hadn't picked up my guitar in probably I don't know two years. So I went up to Mark's, and we just kind of started fucking with it. And you know, once you start laying stuff down, the ideas kind of start flowing. And then after that, we'll take. Uh, either some of what we have already from Aldo or get new stuff and kind of cut it up to fit the music. Like I said, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like the bird was listening to DSI records and learned how to do this. And you, you know? just, you'll just take like some kind of like field recorder and, and, uh, record, you know, his, uh. No, it's actually, so we've put it quote unquote in the studio, which is Mark's bedroom. Okay. Um, but yeah, we've put it in the actual studio. Really? Like set a mic up in front of it and, Somewhere there's a picture of that. I don't know where it is. It's probably like pre-digital camera, so who the fuck knows where it's an actual print of it. But yeah, we would set it up and like, you know, we we put a pop screen up just kind of for visual effect. <laughs> <laughs> and before you ask, no, we don't have tiny headphones for it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he just kind of freestyles it, you know, it doesn't... Yeah, you know, it can be... I, there is some truth to the steadfast rule where it says, you know, never work with children or animals. Um, they can, they can be kind of like just a waiting game sometimes. Like, all right, well, we'll just wait till it starts flipping out, doing something. Now, I think I know the answer to this question before I ask it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, have you ever performed live with this thing, this no, uh, project? Or? Um, I would really like to. All right. But it would be really difficult to get uh, the bird to do what it does on cue, and I'm pretty sure it'd be very unhealthy decibel level wise for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we try to come up with some like alternative ideas, and of course, you know, every idiot on the planet's like, "Well, I'll dress up in a parrot costume." I'm like, "Well, nobody wants to pay to see you do that." Um, you know, where we've been thinking about trying to like. I almost silhouette it, but yeah, it's just not really feasible. And you know, Mark and I write this stuff, and then it's it's like RAM, it's like temporary memory. Like we write it, lay it down, and like that's it. Like we'd have to relearn everything. <laughs> so, I mean, it would be cool to do live once or twice, not like tour with it, but you know, like Maryland Death Fest, do something like that. That would be really fun to do. But right now, I don't I don't see any uh, plans to do it, and, and certainly definitely not in the past. Do you think like PETA would like attack you guys or pick up the show or anything <laughs> like that? Even aware of it. Oh um, man, they we do have a live song on this record, but it's not. It's uh, definitely no secret that that's fake, and it sounds really fake. Is it like <laughs> similar to like the Cheap Trick live at Budokan record where there's like? Yeah, or what's that? Uh, uh, what's the Priest record? Is that? That's not live at Un- all. Unleashed in the East, maybe. Unleashed in the East, which is probably my favorite Priest record. But yeah. yeah, that's a great one. Hey, I saw Priest last year at. Uh, at that fun, fun, fun festival in Austin with the new that guitar player, they're fucking great, dude. It was uh, they had the new guitar player and that guy was shred shredding. It was awesome. Oh, I'm sure, man. Killer. I, that's one of the, like my bucket list bands I've never gotten to see. For some reason, it's always like, oh, they're coming through town and Pinkasuro will be on the road. You know, the odd ten shows a year we do or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the first and only time I've seen Priest so far, and um. I mean, I was kind of, like, a little bummed that there was no K.K. Downing, but, you know, whatever. It's cool. Yeah. That I mean, same, if uh... Do, if, you know, if they did it, oh, God, what a victim of change, man. That would that would be enough for me. They did a... They, they sampled 
from their entire catalog, man. They had like a bunch of new songs. They played stuff from like, you know, the hits like Breaking the Law and Living After right. Midnight. But then they did uh, uh, like some older shit from like Sin After Sin, you know. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was it was a good show, man. And Rob Halford changed his outfit like six times. And really, was that with the uh, fuck? Was that the Steel Panther? No, no, no. It was oh. like this. Uh, oh, fun, 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 fun! Festival that you know this outdoor festival thing, and uh, you know there's like a ton of bands playing. Like sick of it all. Uh, Gary Newman. Tombs, obviously, probably. We played. Yeah, we played like the the quote unquote nights. You know, sort of. You know, it's the, the club shows, not the right. outdoor, like, rock fest type thing. Right, right, right. But, uh, and that, you know, that was fun. But uh, one of the, the key highlights of that entire, you know, festival, actually probably the highlight of my entire year is seeing King Diamond perform. Yeah, that was that fun, fun, fun fest, too? Yeah, dude. It was uh, unbelievable. Yeah, he started that tour here in, uh, I'm in D.C. actually right now. Yeah. And he started that tour here, and I guess he made his way, and it was... It was pretty intense. I saw him in, oh, I want to say 92. Yeah. Maybe 91. Um, and on the right after, what's the record after them um, on that tour? And it was pretty intense, man. And I was going to see him, like, rocking out still. Uh, it was a little, you know, I don't go to big metal shows like that too much. So it was definitely, like, a little different experience for me. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I actually recently started going to see these, like, big shows again. Uh, yeah, me too, as you think that's a symptom of our age. I don't know, man. It's like, I think... Um, or we're just getting burned out in shitty punk rock basements and stuff. No, I mean, I, like, I go to both types of shows, but lately, I, like, I'm going to see Van Halen in August, too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're playing in, out in Jersey at uh, the PNC Arts Center. I saw Sabbath a couple summers ago. Um, yeah, that... That fun, fun, fun festival thing, we just were fortunate enough to be there as part of it, so we were able to watch all the bands. But, uh, but yeah, it was it was cool, man. And, uh, right, for bands like yours and mine, man, like it's, it's kind of cool. We're like, I would never pay for this, but we're playing, so we can hang out. Like, we did Housecore a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. How was that? Uh, it was cool. Pretty, I think it's a little bit better now. Um, so I, I'm going to talk the one we played uh, up to first, first year of Festival Blues. Where it seemed like a little scattered. Yeah, but uh, I went last year too, and it was, it was it was pretty good. It's cool. Like it's definitely. I'm a huge like horror film nerd. Oh yeah, me too. So man. you know, having bands and watching horror films all day, it's like, all right, well, you guys got me. <laughs> like you're singing my song. So did uh, did Goblin play that fest? The, the the fest you guys played? Yeah, Goblin played that that year live to Suspiria. Oh, nice. So yeah. that was pretty intense. It was. Uh, it was, it was cool. It was a, a rough weekend. Um, you know, it's, uh, we're probably hanging out like a little too hard, but so that was, that was a good cap off. Nice and relaxing to the end of the, end of the weekend. What other, what other bands played that? Oh, Repulsion. Um, I want to say I Hate God. Yes, I Hate God played with Dale Crover. That was their first show without Joey. Damn. After Joey passed. Uh, Guar, uh, Melvin's played uh, God Hate Eternal Oh yeah You know We're going a couple of years back and, Yeah You know That's you cool know, man Yeah it's like That whole horror Crossover thing Is cool Do you know I, I also do a horror podcast Called Necromaniacs Oh do you Yeah I'm like a huge You know Horror fan um, 
you know, fanatic. Man, I love you know pretty much all different genres of horror. The only I'm genre, the only genre I'm not too keen on is uh, the sort of torture porn stuff that was like really. Yeah, big. you know, me either. I wonder if that's like again something to do with our age because you know, you and I grew up in like the age of the like cool slasher films and like the weirdo Italian horror. Films. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly when I grew up. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the stuff I like. Like. I don't know. It doesn't take a super genius to, like, blow someone's head off with a shotgun. It's not really scary. Like, I like something to be, like, have some tension and have some mood to it. Yeah. What are uh, what are some of your favorite horror movies? Uh, I mean, Suspiria, definitely. Um, City of the Living Dead. Um, I love Fulci. Uh, Zombie is, is great. Um, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, is an undeniable classic. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, it's, you know, it's... <laughs> It's one of those things that you can never stop learning about. Like, there's just so much going on. Like, I just recently watched Species again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little... (laughs) It doesn't hold up as much as I thought it would, but it's still pretty good. You know? Have you seen uh, any of the new... Uh, like horror films that are happening, new American horror films like uh, like It Follows or any of that kind of stuff. I haven't, and I've been meaning to check out the Insidious series, but because yeah. uh, everyone tells me it's really good. Um, I mean, most recently, I kind of like the uh, Paranormal Activity stuff. Yeah, that stuff's cool. First couple. Yeah, of but they, you know, when they get to the fifth one, it's basically the same shit over and yeah. over. Yeah, it's like here's a string pulling a door closed. Like, it's, it's kind of cool the first two or three times, but after a while, like, it's, you know, like, you're not you're not getting more in bed if you're just doing the same shit. I back the first two paranormal activities. And I, I'd, I'd agree with that, but, like, what are they on, four or five right now? And oh, yeah, at least, last one. at least that. Like, they're, it's not, the original guy who did it, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's not even involved anymore. It's like a property, no. you know, it's, it's a license that he's sold to somebody now. Well, he made a lot of money doing, you know, basically, you know, it, it was effective, but not a lot of crazy, you know, pra- the practical effects are amazing. It's not a lot of CGI and, you know, just that kind of thing where it's effective, you know. That, uh, the first paranormal activity, I remember I watched that by myself, like at night, and I couldn't go to sleep that night because I was so creeped out by that one scene where, uh, there's like the time lapse photography of that. Oh, she's just standing by the bed. Yeah, that was like the creepiest part of the movie, man. <laughs> it really was. And like you know, it's, it's things like that with horror films. Like that adds mood and it creates like a, a kind of atmosphere. So you're like, you know, I I enjoy stuff like that. And when it and it's when it scares you a little bit, it's kind of tickling, you know. Like you ever uh, you ever check out a movie called Martyrs? I have seen that. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it was good a little just gory for no real reason which I like sometimes but I don't know maybe I have to check it out again Scott keeps trying to get me to uh, watch a Serbian film oh man and I haven't seen it and everyone's like either like it's really fucking good or they're like it is so disturbing so you know I can't comment on whether whether it's either one yet but it's like I get mixed reviews from it so You've seen it? Yes, I've seen it. I saw it actually in a movie theater in Brooklyn. It's uh, really funny. I remember reading about it, and uh, actually the first episode of this podcast was a breakdown of that film uh, with me and my buddy Mike Scandato, who um, we watched the movie, we went to a diner, we just started talking about the movie into a recorder, and that was the first episode of this podcast. Oh, wow. And then Mike and I 
He's my partner in uh, Necromaniacs, so we started our own full-fledged horror podcast. But I, I liked it. I enjoyed it because it was one of the most extreme things I've ever seen, but also there was like a statement behind it. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, sort of the politics of that part of the world. Right, right. You know, and, and uh, you know, here in the West, it probably the impact of the film probably wasn't as great as if we were living in that part of the you know that part of the world, but you know it operated. It was, it was pretty fucking intense, and the and the ending was like a total downer. And you're just like, after you're done watching that movie, you just want to like go home and like play with your dog or something like that, and <laughs> you know like arrange flowers and you know just. Just drink, do something to get your mind off it. Yeah, drink some like you know, like warm milk or something, and just chill <laughs> out. You know, it was pretty fucking brutal, man. And uh, but Martyrs was another film, like a French movie. Yeah. And we were talking about like, like you know the sort of uh, you know like torture porn films, and it's not necessarily a torture porn film, but it was kind of the movie that that put the ending on all that stuff for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not quite torture porn, but it definitely walks that line. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of is, in a way, it almost feels like that movie was like, okay, hostile, you guys are fucking around with this, we're taking, right. it, we're taking it to the next level here. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and just like ended the, the conversation about torture porn, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the ending, I thought, you know, for those of you who haven't seen this movie, uh, I talk about it quite a bit, because it's one of my favorite movies, and... Uh, you know, go out and see it because I'm going to spoil it for you, but still see it anyway. I mean, the ending is like. Well, it's not like a new movie, Mike. So if you're spoiling it, you haven't seen it. Yeah, actually, if you if I'm spoiling it for anybody, you're probably not going to see it anyway. So yeah, it's <laughs> seven years old or something. It seems like just yesterday, man. No. Yeah, that movie's a good five, seven years. Yeah, fuck it. Um, I'm out, I'm like completely off out of line by saying that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the ending of that movie, man, it was just like. The blackest fucking ending of like yeah, and it, you know it's not something you really saw coming. No, no. I mean, you know, it's it's like this obsessive trip where like you're trying to push the envelope and like peer beyond like the veil into what lies beyond like the physical plane, you know. And it's like, you know, someone obsessed with like the afterlife and like you know what what happens to your brain and all these kinds of things, and then peering beyond into the void and they're just like there's nothing and they just fucking blow their brains out and I'm yeah. like god I've damn been, uh, like kind of rewatching all the Stuart Gordon stuff oh, again. yeah yeah I mean like reanimator um, I mean I love H.P. Lovecraft and like you know uh, cause I there's rumors of people like readapting some Lovecraft stuff yeah so you know he's the, the one that's done it the most successfully so far yeah still kind of a far cry from what Lovecraft actually wrote but yeah yeah yeah, but I've been rewatching some of that that stuff too, and you know, I, I guess I just kind of wedged that in there. But <laughs> no, but it's true. It's sort of applicable because a lot of Lovecraft's fiction is about you know different realms of existence and different realities and like you know entities from beyond like a different you know consciousness you know manifesting in this world and. You know, stuff's kind of interesting. A lot of ideas about panspermia and like life coming from out from the stars and yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know, and like he was super ahead of his time as far as the way he wrote and like I don't know, like like you're saying, there's certain ideas and like uh, just the, the whole like it's more of a, a mood where you never really see the monster because it just drives you nuts and the whole impending sort of doom sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, totally. Definitely not very uh, happy stuff. No. What, uh, do you think, uh, 
Lovecraft like fucked around with like psychedelics and shit too. I mean, it seems like you know, most. Of- it would seem to make sense, but I don't really think so because everything I've ever read about him, he just seems so straight laced. Yeah, I don't know, um, man. Yeah, I mean, super like white bread, Connecticut, Rhode Island, like that kind of white bread, blue blood. Uh, I think he was just a real fucked in the head person, and uh, like some of his. His influences, which he draws from a bunch of different ones, are like uh, Arthur Macon and, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head right now. They're very, like, uh, surreal sort of authors in their own right. So I think he just kind of took that and took it to the next level. I don't know, man. I think. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone's like, yeah, you know, we. Yeah, he did a ton of, ton of mushrooms. It, I hope I hope that it was this kind of thing where he didn't realize, you know, like what, or maybe here and there, like there was like some kind of like dried mushroom that ended up in his tea or something. And, <laughs> I mean, it would make more sense. Yeah. Either that or he's like really in tune with some shit that one else is just aware of. Yeah, possibly, man. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's, um, you know, that, that it's a, his books are very psychedelic, like his stories, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, you know, I try, I try to find, you know, little bits and pieces of his, you know, stories about his life to see if there's any indication that he might be uh, on some kind of Terrence McKenna like vibration, you know, or exploring all these realms through, uh, you know, ethnobotany or whatever the hell you want to call it, <laughs> and entheogens. So hey, are you um? You mentioned that you you saw the Ghetto Boys this past weekend. Last night. Last night. Last night, first stop of their tour. So they're on they're on a full blown tour. Yep. Huh. I think that they are planning on they were kind of dropping hints that they're going to do a new record. That'd be cool. So either that or they just really need money, which is also and uh, I've been a huge fan forever. Never got to see them, and uh, was up front. Bushwick Bill attacked a printer with a baseball bat and threw the baseball bat to me. And it was like, sweet, I am going home with an awesome souvenir. And they were just like, yeah, you can't keep that. Ah, you wouldn't let you keep the bat? No, and it's probably a better idea, like, just walking around the club with a baseball bat. It's like, someone's going to fuck with you. Yeah, you're looking for trouble that way, definitely. Now, that's in reference to the uh, office space uh, scene where um, they smash up the uh, baseball bat, the uh, printer, right? Yeah, they're actually calling this tour office space tour. Wow, that's like 20. It was was cool. I wish, you know, I kind of wanted more. Um, Just, you know, I'm such a huge fan. They could have played for two or three hours, and then I would have been happy with that. But, you know, you can only pick so many songs. and It's not like, you know, Big Destroyer Tombs where you just play your songs and get to it. There's all I so much in between song banter where you're just like come on guys <laughs> like you're just totally derailing your set hey yeah uh, you know what was uh, interesting about Maryland Death Fest this past year was since we're talking about hip hop music there was a uh, Mob Deep also played yes did you check that out I did not I can't remember why um, we were going to and I think we stuck around we stuck around for a couple minutes um, but this pop you know, probably someone else was playing, at, like across the street at Ramshead. Uh, so we we went over there. Yes, someone was playing at Ramshead. I can't remember who it is. Um, but no, I didn't check that out. I've heard really good things that it was pretty awesome. There's a lot of uh, you know people online, sort of uh, you know, 
speaking their mind about a hip hop group playing Maryland Death Fest. And, uh, you know, personally, I think it's cool. Like, I, I don't give a fuck at all about, like, yeah, who plays. And you know what? My, my opinion is if whatever form of entertainment it is, if you don't like it, you don't need to bitch about it. You just don't need to go. <laughs> or you can change the channel. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Like, people made a big deal about the whole thing. But I have to say that it's uh, it's almost like a plot to a movie where there was all that race, racial tension in Baltimore leading up to Maryland Death Fest and it being the first year that a hip-hop group played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was pretty rough uh, as a resident of Baltimore. The riots and stuff were pretty scary and... It's a good thing they indicted those cops because that city would have been burned to the ground, probably. Yeah. Um, and you know, they rightfully so. They did what everyone, you know, <laughs> they did commit a crime. Yeah, totally. I mean, so uh, it's it's you know it's also good for justice that that, that you know that happened too. But yeah, it's it's a pretty good thing that it would it would have been pretty bad. And there were still like the, I think ten murderers that weekend in Baltimore. Really? Yeah. Baltimore is a pretty dangerous town, man. In general. It really is for the size of it. it it's like, you know, what's New York? Four million? I think Baltimore's 500,000. And it's it's up there. I mean, it's definitely Michigan, but. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's a pretty, actually, you know, um, do you remember, I don't know, do you remember that place, Barkley House? Yeah. All right, now, on Toombs' very first tour in the United States here, we played a show there. And uh, it was us and Azra. And, you know, I'd been to Baltimore many times, you know. And, and that was was that where you got uh, your drummer because he was yeah the drummer from Azra yep. right well I, I've known Andrew for many yeah. many years prior to him being in Azra but we did that tour together and uh, shortly after that tour we parted ways with the guy that was playing drums for us and and then uh, Andrew being a good friend and solid drummer stepped right up and seamlessly integrated himself into the band but um yeah I remember Barkley House like. You know, whenever whenever you play in a legit like venue in Baltimore, you get off ninety five and you're you, know, you drive a couple blocks and you're there. You know, you right. take a right, make a left, you're there. Like Barkley House is like deep, pretty deep in into into the inner city of that. Yeah, it's not the best neighborhood. Yeah, and and I just remember like getting off the highway, making a right, driving five blocks, taking a left, making another right. Driving six blocks, taking another right, you know, going deeper into it, and it's just like the, one of the sketchier neighborhoods in that city. And then we show up at this this basically an apartment building, yeah. And then in the basement of the apartment building, they had like you know punk rock shows. And, it's still uh, there, man. They still do stuff. Really, that's good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's a little bit less. I think the people that own it are kind of like growing up a little bit, you know. But, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, property in that kind of part of town is not very expensive. So you got this big ass house, and it's if you have money to renovate it, you can live in a nice house. But it's the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, Monty, the guy, the guitar player in Azra, and I, actually, he sometimes he played bass in that band too. But he right. he passed out in the back of the van with the doors open, right? And some, somebody actually robbed him. But it's interesting. You know, he was passed out. They took his wallet out. They took all the money, but they gave him his wallet and his identification back. Well, that's, you know, at least nice. They just kind of let him be after that. Like, you know, I don't know if you ever lost your driver's license or got it stolen, but it's a tremendous pain in the ass to get it back. No, nah, I never have. 
but yeah, it's it's it's. Not, what do you have to not, go through to get a new license? Oh, you've got to go get your birth certificate and blah blah blah, and then apply and then go in. And it's you know, getting your birth certificate's a pain. Maybe it's like you know, different per state, but in, in Maryland, and it's it's a pain in the ass because you got to have some other form of ID to get your birth certificate. You're like, well, I don't have one. That's why I'm here. So it's 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 a pain in the ass. <laughs> I've gotten mugged in Baltimore before. I'm like, yeah, same type of thing. Like, here's my money, man. Can you just give me my wallet back? They did. That's good, man. I mean, that's like a professional mugger right there. Yeah. You know? it's like, Guys, here's, here's what you need, and here's what I need, man. We're good. Just wants to get the job done, get yeah. in and get out. You, know, yeah. you got to give him props for that. You know, but you know, I got to be honest, man. I was I was a little concerned. Not you know. At, leading up to the days before going to M- MDF, I was like, man, you know, the Mob Deep's playing. It's all this racial tension. You know, I'm like, all I know is I was glad we were playing like the late, you know, the last day of the, of the festival, just in case anything right. happened. It was earlier, and then, you know, we would know whether or not to show up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, but there's no problems as far as I know. Yeah, everything seemed pretty cool, man. And I think like things had blown over, um, you know, before. Like a couple of weeks before the festival happened, but I remember yeah the, the, the riots and stuff. But they did the indictment. I think that Friday. Yeah. So if they if they wouldn't have indicted him, like I said, it would have would have been a bad scene for everybody. Not yeah. just Death Fest. I mean, just everywhere. Yeah, the whole city. Because Death Fest is like three blocks from City Hall. Yeah, something like that. So. Well, that was the other thing. I remember, like, we came back from Europe, and I kind of missed the you know the first wave of news coverage of what happened in Baltimore right and like the day I got back from Europe I was like you know talking to some friends and they're like it's like oh man you know you better watch your ass Baltimore I go what do you mean man you know of course of course you don't have to watch your ass in Baltimore and then I found out about all this stuff you know and it was just like you know wow there's some shit going on down there and uh yeah I mean you know fucking I support the indictment of those cops man you know oh absolutely the thing is, is that it, it's interesting because, you know, I feel like the media is really uh, sort of antagonizing people because there's a lot of these, um, you know, cops killing black people, uh, things going on in the last like couple of years. Right. But they're all different. They're all different, man. And the media just kind of paints them in one brushstroke. Absolutely. And, you know, there's my opinion is that every story's got a couple of sides and Unless you're directly involved, you don't know exactly exactly what happened. And I'm not sticking up for cops killing black people, of course. Hell no. Um, but you know, you know, I, I wasn't in Ferguson, <laughs> and even if I was, I wouldn't. I wasn't there. So yeah. So yeah, and I totally agree with that. The media is like, I don't know. It seems like it just wants to wind people up, and, and yeah, it's been like that in my opinion for the past 15, 20 years, where it's either terrorism or the bird flu or SARS or what have you where it's just they want you to live in some sort of fear all of the time yeah it's you know and then distracting you from your freedoms being taken away from you too right absolutely you know like even this whole thing with Bruce Jenner becoming a woman and all this stuff is like right it's like who cares they just drop that to distract you from like all this other stuff with the NSA and everything happening yeah, concurrently absolutely. you know what do you think of that anyway i I, I kind of haven't really been paying. I I don't pay attention to shit like that. I'm sure you don't either. But I'm, I'm sure, the, like being aware of of Bruce Jenner becoming a woman. Yeah. Um. I, you know, my my philosophy is like live and let live. Like that's cool. Yeah. 
You know, I, I do find it funny that, like, there's certain, like, little things. I don't know if you've, uh, like, there was a Married with Children episode where they basically said that, like, 20 years ago. Really? That Bruce Jenner was going to become a woman? <laughs> yeah. No way, really? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. And there was, like, a Family Guy episode where they said something to that effect, like, 10 years ago. Like, that type of stuff. Like, so laugh. So like, maybe... That, like, I don't care. Like, it's cool. Yeah, maybe there was, like, an insider in the writing staff of those shows who knew something about Bruce Jenner. Yeah, Jenner's. I mean, you know, it obviously uh, he or she had issues and it wasn't comfortable, so now they are or want, or want to be, and that's cool. If that's your path, take it. My thing is that the fact that it's news is something that's, like, it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword, really. It's like, on one hand, I think it's cool that it's news because, you know, people who are transgender... You know, can relate to it, and right, and obviously it opens some people's eyes. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's kind of sensational too. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that's the news. It's like, who gives a shit about Kim Kardashian? And like, they're like Kim Kardashian, Kanye split. I'm like, cool, man. Like, <laughs> what happened in my neighborhood that I actually need to know about? Yeah. What's going on with the government? Like, that's the important stuff. You know. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's like for the first time in my adult life, I actually have cable TV now. And, uh, you know, for most of my life, I just, you know, didn't have TV. I would just like, you know, rent DVDs or if there was, um, you know, since Netflix came around with Internet Connection, I would just watch stuff online. You know? Right. But uh, now I got cable. You know, I got all these channels and I've been watching some news and I'm like, damn, the news now from when I was a kid is like a completely different trip you know it's like a fucking there's no news in the news no <laughs> it's really not and I know that's nothing new to most people but to me the guy who you know I would just read shit and then never watch TV now it's right. saying I'm like scanning through the channels I'm like oh you know it's, let me watch the news with my morning coffee or whatever and it's like there's nothing useful in there at all right so, so now back to um back to hate beak. We took a long roundabout way around that. Yeah, that's cool, man. We're friends. We know each other. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> the um. So, do you guys have any plans doing any more uh, any more new material? Um. Yes. Like I said, I haven't talked to Rich in a while, but Richard from the Sour Stern Show was planning on doing a project called Grim Squeaker, which he uses his guinea pigs. Okay. Um, and he played Hate Beak on the Stern Show a long time ago when our split with Caninus came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've been in touch off and on ever since then. So we were planning on doing that. Um, and basically, when I come up with the puns or Mark comes up with the puns and it makes me laugh enough, that's when I decide I'm going to try to do it. Like, uh, the Godflesh like kind of song I want to do is going to be called Street Preener um, you know just as long as it's kind of entertaining to me and Mark it's kind of what we do and other than that then, you know it's definitely not going to be something like when we're done with it going to be like alright well this is it and this is a part of our lives and it's no longer there it's just going to be like yeah okay that was fun you know well that's cool man you know it's uh I, I, you know, over the weekend I was cranking this, you know, this, this discography that came out, and you know the artwork's pretty cool too, man. Oh yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was a long time in the making, uh, but 
yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It's, uh, do you know Kasner's work very much, Steve Kasner? I know his work. I don't know him personally, though, but I've seen his work around. Yeah, I've never met him either, but yeah, it's, it's not very typical of his style. Um, and obviously, it's just like a complete ripoff of the Number of the Beast record. But uh, when Chris, who runs Reptilian Records, suggested we use him, I was like, that's cool, man. I like the guy's stuff, but is he going to be able to do what I want him to do, which is, you know, basically just redo it and he did it and I think it's amazing and it's I'm kind of happy that the release is in sight because I've been sitting on that record cover for like five years and it's, yeah. I think it's amazing and I've been wanting to show people but you know I don't want to show people before it's ready yeah no totally so Reptilian Records is still fairly active in putting records out it seems. recently active yeah. um, he kind of took a, a break for a while but he did uh the new Cutthroats 9 LP okay. uh, EP I guess yep. came out last year um, a couple of multi-cult it's kind of noise band from Baltimore he's yeah, got some other stuff coming out my uh, my good friend Nick is in that band and also you're yeah, you know, Nick, I didn't know you knew Nick oh dude my um, back I don't know about 30 or 40 years ago um, <laughs> I used to do a record <laughs> label called uh, Black Box Recordings and I put out a 7 inch and uh, full length of Nick's band The Wayward you did that? yeah Oh, wow, I never knew that. Well, there's a couple labels that put out their records, yeah, 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 yeah. but I, I put out a 7-inch and their first LP. Huh, I never knew that. Yeah, I, then there's... I've known Nick forever. Uh, Track used to play with The Wayward and all kinds of stuff. And we probably played with with you at some point with The Wayward. Uh, that would seem to make sense. Yeah, we probably all played together down in that you know D.C. area. And Nick's uh, fiance and I used to work together. We worked together for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And she the she drummer was, from... Multicult is wasn't is a drummer for Triac. Yes, that's correct. So yeah, I guess that would make sense that you would know Nick, but I, I guess it just never really occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, Multicult's a pretty pretty rad band. I saw them yeah. once when they played up here, and um, I have the records. Like Nick sent me all the all the records, the releases, and everything. They're they're great, and uh, it's like uh, if you're familiar with the Wayward, it, it's it's definitely has that kind of vibe like a touch and go like Amrep kind of trip going on you know and it's uh, it's it's really cool I'm, I'm yeah. a fan of that stuff but uh, Reptilian Records though uh, for anyone I mean there's a long history of that Reptilian Records as a record store and label right and uh, you know that every every time I would go to, to the Baltimore area I'd always make, make a stop at the Reptilian Records store it's definitely and missed um, yeah like nothing's really filled that gap I mean there are record stores there's Celebrated Summer who's a guy that used to work at Reptilian he has his store which is kind of similar but it doesn't just focus on like punk and metal uh, like Reptilian did he does all kinds of stuff he does jazz but you know it's a hard business nowadays you gotta do something to feed yourself yeah no, totally man and and that it's like Chris, his personality was reflected in the record store. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I don't know him that well. Like, I've only met him on a handful of occasions, but I've had some pretty lengthy conversations with him in the record store. And um, you go in, you, you look through the through the bins when it was around, and it was like, oh, it's like this style of place. Right. You know? And if you were that type of guy, you could go there and find that style of music that you're looking oh, for. Oh, shit. You know, it's just like, there'd be like Amrap stuff, there'd be like old Today's the Day records, there'd be, you know, like Poison Idea, you know, just like, 
that style, like Unsane, you know? Yes. Like, that was, like, a staple, like, that dirty kind of noise rock, like, thing, you know? I would really like to go through his storage space and see what he's got left over. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I would always, like, whenever... Like, Baltimore... Like, when I was playing in Anodyne, Baltimore was always, like, this, the last show on the tour. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, we never... We, we very rarely played in New York City. We didn't have any... You know, we're not, we're not, that band didn't have any real fans, really. So it was like... Well, I was one. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. It wasn't like uh, we had some big, you know, fucking homecoming, man, all the bros. Right, you know? right, it's right. not like... Like, we would just go out. We would drive to, like, the Midwest play the entire country and then end the tour in like Baltimore or Philly right. and drive home <laughs> you know and not, not have like some you know last night bros you know that kind of thing but um, I would always make sure that I had some cash on me when I when I hit Baltimore because um, that, that record store was around when that band was around so it was like yeah absolutely you know we'd always like stop in there and drop like you know some cash and I remember one kid that we took out as a roadie on one of our last tours. We were, he was like a younger guy at the time, and we were kind of talking about bands. And he was making, like, writing down lists of names of records that we were talking about, you know. And, and uh, you know, as we'd go to these cities, he would go and try to find some of the records. And then whatever he had left on his list, he found every single one of them. At Everything at Reptile Yeah. Yeah, I think I can, uh, you know, when I was probably like 19. Maybe seventeen. I think a buddy and my uh, we went to DC to go record shopping, and then it was like Vinyl Inc. and Smash Records, which were great stores. And like I picked up a couple things, and on the way home we were like, "Fuck it, let's go to Reptilian." And I think I spent like a hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, like, you know, and that was like in the, in the, in the early nineties. So it was a lot of money. I'm like, man, we drove all over God's Creation and all these other record stores. And I picked up like three things. We hit Reptilia and I walked away with like 12 things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there was always like, a, after leaving there, there was always a plan where I'm like, oh, you know, after I'm home for a few weeks, you know, working, Baltimore's not that far away, man. Maybe I'll take a trip down <laughs> here, you know, pick right. up those five other things that I couldn't afford to get this time, you know? Right. But, uh, you know, I never did, man. Baltimore was like just a little too far for like a Saturday drive, you know? Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, you know the deal between here and there, traffic, and it just bend you over depending on what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, uh, a three and a half hour trip can take you seven hours. Yeah, totally, man. And, uh, yeah, that, the, the demise of like, the closing of Reptilian along with like, there's a record store in Connecticut called Trash American Style that I grew up around. And that, the closing of that store and just like all these places like a few years ago was like, I feel like there's like a real loss, you know, just like I the, agree. There's still a couple that are still going strong, like uh, Amoeba, still really good. Yeah. Finn and Final. Yep. And what's the place in Boston uh, that might have closed? Newberry Comics? Oh, no. Well, Newberry Comics is like a massive chain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're always going to be around. They'll find a way to stay open. I think the last, when we played with you in Boston, I didn't go for some reason. I don't know why we didn't go to that store. We went somewhere, some oh. other record store. Oh yeah, because it was in uh, that show in Boston was in uh, Alston, so yeah. right around the corner, I think there was a record store. Yeah, we walked up to it. Yeah, uh, it was it was pretty good. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, we got there like a little too late to do any record shopping, and you know, it was a little 
this crowd. Yeah, I, think, I think we were doing that while you were <laughs> sound checking during our set. You guys are buying records. <laughs> yeah. No, not during your set. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Boston has always been like kind of a stronghold of like good record stores, you know. And uh, yeah, Newberry has held it down. And um, it's funny because like when I lived in Boston for a number of years, and uh, if you did like a record label in Boston. You basically had distribution throughout all of New England if you just dealt with New- Newberry Comics. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because they had stores in like Providence, they had stores in New Hampshire, they had them all over right. Massachusetts, and it was like if you just like stop because I don't know I used to be you know I, I am friends with you know Aaron Turner and the Hydrahead guys and yeah that was right when uh, you know that was like the beginning of the big Hydrahead like late nineties kind of thing and I remember yeah, of course you know Turner would just like. That was like his, you know, New England distribution. Basically, it was like Newberry Comics. It would be at every store, you know. And right. It was it was pretty cool, you know. And th- it's good that they're still around. And I think that they managed to stay afloat by like selling like hair dye and like Doc Martens and yeah, you know, cups and you know, like travel mugs and shit like Not that. Not much of that going around anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. But uh, but yeah, some of the more like niche, you know punk oriented stores have definitely closed you know there was always Armageddon in uh, Armageddon and Time Bomb oh Time Bomb's in Tokyo I think yeah Armageddon was the one that was in Providence yes and then there's yeah Bleaker Bob's was always always had to go to Bleaker Bob's no matter whether I could afford something or not yeah you know I mean dude you couldn't (laughs) none of that shit would exist without Bob yeah Generation Records in the city here you know and, and like there's um even even out here in Brooklyn, like there's Academy, which is like a vinyl only like record store, um, you know. Just like there's like these little spots around here, and I, I I definitely wonder, especially with rents being what they are around here, how they even stay open, you know? Like yeah, but I mean, I think a lot of that, a lot of people still sell sell still, uh, still sell stuff online. It's got to be that man. And that you have, you have to do it. There's no other way you can pay your bills. Like, yeah, I mean, rent in Brooklyn's probably. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's stupid, and I mean I've been living in the same shitty apartment, and my landlord hasn't raised my rent like I think fifty dollars in the last like six years. So. Oh, that's nice. So I'm like the the creep that lives here, and everyone else has <laughs> like moved out, and like there's all these like nice like white people that live <laughs> that are my neighbors and stuff. Yeah, scummy punk rocker. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> but like I'm the guy yelling out the window for people to turn their music down because. <laughs> They're, list, they're not listening to Napalm Death. You know, they're listening to, like, some shitty, like, bullshit, you know, like, on a right. Saturday night, you know? But, uh, but yeah, man. So, yeah, record stores are sort of going the way of, like, the fucking dinosaur, man, unfortunately. And it's been going that way for a long time. And in my opinion, it's not fun to shop online for records because you can just type it in and find it. Yeah. I mean, like, nothing's like going through a store flipping through shit and be like holy fuck man I never thought I'd ever see that or wow I saw this and it's only six bucks like this guy's crazy this is like a $90 record yeah and I'm picking it up for nothing like that's what record store shopping is about it's not just getting it yeah, well, also, I'm sure you probably agree with that too oh yeah man like when I when I was a kid like there was you know I grew up outside of the city in this town called Carmel New York which is like right on the Connecticut border and uh there was that place Trash American Style, which was in Danbury, and right. that was like a 15-minute drive from where I lived. And 
once I once I was able to catch rides with friends and whatever to go there, because um, it was very much like a driving sort of you know spot that I lived in. Uh, the guy Malcolm, that was the owner. It's like you would go in there with an idea what you wanted. You had like, you know, your black flag in my head, you know, you want to pick that up. And then he's like, hey, have you ever heard, you know, like Blast or whatever, or St. Vitus or something like that. And it's like, well, if you like the stuff on this record label, check this out. This is a band called Husker Du or whatever. And it's like, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're, you're into this thing, you know? And a whole new thing opened up. Yeah. You know, know, and, and even, even like, I continued to go to this shop throughout my entire adult life until it closed. I mean, even when I lived in Boston, I would go to my parents' house to visit, and it was, like, literally right on the way. So I was just like, oh, you know, I'm about, yeah, I'm going to stop in, man, say hello, pick up a couple records, go to my folks' house, you know? And yeah, was, of course. You know, and then, uh, you know, as time went on, there was, like, His Hero's Gone, you know, Tragedy from Ashes Rise, all those records were coming out, and, like, he would write these descriptions on on the records too it's like if you know for fans of Devoid of Faith or something like that right you know? and then you'd be like oh shit if I like this I'm probably gonna like Devoid of Faith or like Capitalist Casualties so let me check Absolutely. these records out you and know and then too you know kind of the pre-internet days it was you read bands thank you list or you saw what shirts they were wearing yeah that's how you that's how I checked out a ton of shit Oh, totally, man. I mean, yeah, I got. There was the occasional you get burned by it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I have too many uh, sore throat LPs, which I really only need one. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but shit like that. You know, Napalm Death and Thanks Thank Them, and you'd be like, oh, cool, I'll check that out. Yeah, and yeah. that same type of thing, you know. Yeah, the thrash thrash records are always good with that because they are thank you lists were like oh my fucking God, like two miles long. Yeah, like two pages of thank yous, like filled <laughs> with tons of bit fucking obscure like. Band, like German thrash bands and shit, you know, and it's like that's how like I, you know that's like you were saying that's how you found out about stuff. That's how you beefed up your record collection, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so anyway, dude, thanks for um, you know, thanks for spending the time and, and doing this podcast, man. I appreciate it. it was cool. Yeah, of course, and thank you for having me. Sorry about the back and forth with the uh, time today, but it's just kind of a moving target with what what I had going on a little earlier. Nah, it's cool, man. I, I um. You know, usually I'm uh, tied up, but today, uh, primarily through laziness, I was able to uh, negotiate my schedule so, so I can nice. I can meet up earlier and do this. So, um, so yeah, man. So when uh, when is is this discography out yet? It will be out June twenty fourth. Okay. Is that a Tuesday? Uh, yeah, that's the release to June twenty. Yeah, whatever that Tuesday is. Cool. So yeah, it'll be out shortly. Uh, pre-orders have been up for a couple of days. I just got People Magazine just picked up a, like a hate big thing, so I'm kind of curious to see how pre-orders. People Magazine. Yeah, People Magazine. <laughs> I mean, it was the online thing, but it's wow. still pretty. Yeah, like I don't know how many uh, you know 45 year old housewives in Iowa are going to be picking up people and be like, you know, all this death metal band with a parrot for a singer. That sounds right up my alley. <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> so where where can people uh, get information about Hate Beak? Uh, ReptilianRecords.com right now. Um, and soon enough, when I get off my ass, I will have a social media presence uh, for Hate Beak. We kind of just been avoiding it just out of sheer just laziness, basically. Uh, I plan on doing a Twitter account and a Facebook account, just trying to gather all the pictures and stuff right now to put on. So 
there's actually some content on the on the Facebook account. Yeah. I mean, nothing is worse than like a band's Facebook account. You're like, oh cool. It's like just tells me they're a band and that's it. Yeah, there's like a picture of like a <laughs> picture of a skull or something like that. You yeah, know? you know, like I don't know if Big Disorder's one would be any good if Relapse didn't do it for us. Oh yeah, man. It, it's kind of <laughs> like I don't know, man. I, I'm 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 in the same boat. You know, luckily Relapse is uh, masters of uh, promotion. You know? Yeah. If it was up to us, there would be nothing on there, probably. Yeah. Or, like, you know, I'd take pictures and be like, oh, I'll put that on one day. Let's fucking forget about it entirely. Yeah. All right, dude. So, uh, so yeah, thanks a lot, man. And, um, you know, everyone out there, uh, you know, be sure to uh, check out the new Hate Beat. Well, it's not really new, but it's a new release of uh, old material. Is that correct? Um, it, it Like I said, it's the uh, first three seven inches, and there's some new material. So, all right, so it's new not... New old like, material that was recorded a long time ago, but it was never put out. What 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 he said. I was trying to, like... <laughs> I was trying to, like, create this picture of what it actually is, but I figured I'd just defer it to you since you're yeah, fucking in I mean, the band, you know? You know? I've, I've had to say it a couple times, so... <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, thanks for listening, and uh, we're signing out. I'll see you guys cool, next man. time. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. All right, dude.
I have made a fool for him.